Romans chapter number 12. Romans chapter number 12. Feels like it's been a couple weeks since we've been together because it has, okay? Because two weeks ago we uh, we joined, uh, is it raining? Huh. I didn't know it was supposed to rain. Yeah. All right. It's not raining in here, praise God. So that's good. Um, hey, guys. Um, Wow, I guess I guess that's fall in Louisiana, whatever that means. Huh? Um, there you go, there you go. Yeah, that's a cool front. There you go. That's 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 a Louisiana cool front. It rains on us, but uh, no, really, there is a cool front coming this weekend. I'm uh, looking forward to it. They're telling me on Saturday the high is going to be in the 70s and lows in the 50s, and I am looking forward to Sister Garland's cold just hearing that, okay? But um, two weeks ago, we got together at the Morgan City Auditorium, and we honored our first responders, and that was a, a, a good thing. And then last Wednesday night, we got together with our, our friends from Promised Land and, and had a wonderful fellowship. So this week, we'll get back to it. For the next two weeks, I'll, I'll do a teaching on relationships in Romans chapter number 12, and then my wife is going to begin, a, a, I think, a three-week series on some kingdom living principles, and again, all good, good stuff, and then before very long, we're going to hear from Pastor Randy, and again, just, you don't want to miss on Wednesday night. Wednesday night's a great opportunity for you to come together, be encouraged, and uh, going to be good stuff. So, Romans chapter number 12, I'm going to put these things on that make me look smarter, and uh, just really help me see better, okay? Uh, no teenagers in here, so y'all can't make fun of me, okay? But uh, two weeks ago, we talked about out of Romans chapter number 12, staying humble and using your gifts for God. Well, that's a great reminder, huh? You know, everything that we do for God, uh, He gave us the ability to do. You know, anything good I've ever done for God, God's given me that ability. You know, my God has given you some talents and some abilities, and, and you use them for Him. And obviously, you've honed those talents. You've gotten good at what you what you do. But but everything that we have has been given by God. So so you know, we can't become prideful and think, well, look what I did. No, you just used what God gave you. You know. Um, and, and then, of course, whatever God has given you, He wants you to use for His glory. Not your glory, His glory. So uh, so we're going to begin a two-part series this week out of Romans chapter number 12, talking about relationships. You know, I've said this before, I believe the kingdom of God is built on relationships. Amen? It's all about our vertical relationship. Because how many know when your relationship ain't right with the Lord, it ain't going to be right with your wife? Uh-uh. When your relationship, John, ain't right with the Lord, you're going to start having issues with other people, okay? So many times I think my problem is horizontal relationships, Hilton, and it's really a vertical relationship. And, and once you get the vertical right, all of a sudden the horizontal begin to take care of itself, amen? So we're going to talk a little bit about our relationship with one another. We're going to talk about our relationship with believers, folks in the church, not just this church, but in the church in general, okay? And then also we're going to talk about our relationship with folks outside the church, okay? Which I think this is a very timely word because as we go into this outreach coming up, we need to know how we should interact with others. We need to understand how love should be the reason behind everything we do. So let's look at it together. Romans chapter number 12. I'm going to begin reading in verse number 9 and we'll read down through verse number 13. So the question is, how should we as believers relate to other believers? How should we treat believers and behave toward them? This subject is a vital concern to Jesus, and that's why he led Paul to write these words. So let's read it together, or look at it together. Romans chapter number 12, verses 9 through 13 in the King James Version says this. Let love be without dissimulation. 
Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing in continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of the saints, and given to hospitality. Well, that's a lot in just those five verses, and uh, we've got a lot to cover, so let's get to it. But before we do, let's pray. Amen? Lord, we just come to you right now, and we thank you for your word. Your word is a guide to us, Lord God. And I pray today that your Holy Spirit would guide us as we look to your word, and that we would learn how you expect us to treat one another. How, what should be the, the, the rationale, or what should be the motive behind what we do for you and for others? And I just ask tonight, Lord, that you would touch us, you would challenge us, and you would speak to us through your word. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody would say, Amen. Amen. So the first thing we look at is love. The believer, you and I as believers, are to love sincerely without hypocrisy. The word dissimulation means without hypocrisy, not play acting. It means that a person does not just say, I love you, but it leads to action. Look, guys, love has to lead to action. Amen? John three sixteen. God so loved the world that he did something about it. You know, if you truly love something, you do something, okay? If you say you love, love has to lead to action, okay? And that should be our motivation about everything, okay? I'm about to begin a series. In fact, it's starting this Sunday on core values, okay? Some things that that we as the church feel strongly about. Why do we feel strongly about them? Because God feels strongly about them, okay? And one of the core values is that we love unconditionally. We love God and we love people. How many know loving God's a lot easier sometimes than loving some people? Okay? <laughs> you, know, you ever met somebody that, that I like to call them EGRs? You ever met an EGR? Pastor Randy, you ever met an EGR? Let me tell you what an EGR is. You probably know. Extra grace required. Jamie, you ever had to go out of town with an EGR? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Look, we all know an EGR. By the way, if you don't know an EGR, you might be one. Okay? But here's the deal, guys. Look, we, you know, it's kind of like, who's the black sheep in the family? We don't have a black sheep. <laughs> okay? You know? But here's the deal, guys. Love should be our motive behind everything we do. Amen? Love should be the motive. This is the guiding uh, light for all of us, okay? It means that a person just doesn't say, I love you, but he actually loves. He loves sincerely. He's honest. He's truthful. He does something about it. The love being spoken about is the love for all men, not only just for believers. Again, we're going to focus in on how we should relate with other believers, but guess what? This covers believers, unbelievers alike. We should love people. Why do we love people? Because God loved people. Amen? So we got to love. we got to love sincerely. we got to love hard. We must show love and respect, interest and attention, care and concern. But we must not just show it with an impure motive. You know, so many times we love people so that we can get something in return, okay? We seek gain. We seek an advantage, a position, or, 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 or something that will curry favor with us or with others. You know what, guys? We have to love unconditionally. We have to love with no ulterior motive. You know what, guys? Remember, people just see our actions, not our motives. But God sees both. 
See, how many have figured out in the kingdom of God, it's just not enough to do the right thing. You have to do the right thing for the right reasons. You know what? I don't have to give an account to you for my thoughts or for my motives, but I sure do with the Lord. Amen? I can't fool Him. Okay? I have to do the right thing for the right reasons, and the right reason is always love. Amen? That's never the wrong reason. You and I as believers must love with a pure and a sincere love, being completely free of all selfish motives. We must love others for themselves because they are fellow human beings with a soul created in the very image of God. Amen? We need to begin to see people like God sees people. Amen? Guys, there's only two spiritual conditions that God sees people saved and lost. They're either saved or they're lost. They're either in right standing with God, their sins haven't been forgiven, or they're not. And guys, we need to learn to see people that way. It'll change the way you treat people. Okay? Look, guys, I don't expect lost people to act saved. Okay? Now, I expect church folks to act saved. Okay? It does not offend me, Jamie, when somebody who doesn't know Jesus talks like a sailor, because when I didn't know Jesus, I talked like that too. Now, if you start talking like that, we're going to have problems, okay? If Mike stubs his toe and starts talking like that, Travis, you can probably say, Dad, you all not talk like that, okay? Again, I expect Christian folks to act like Christians, but I don't expect lost people to act any other way but lost. But I'm supposed to love them no matter what. Man, I'm glad I cut grass this morning, Okay? But we are supposed to love sincerely. This is what Paul said when he he wrote to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 6 and 3. Giving no offense in anything by love unfeigned. Basically, genuine love should be why we do what we do. 2 Corinthians 8 and 8. Prove the sincerity of your love. Or in 1 John 3 and 18, it says this. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. You know what, guys? It's one thing to say something. It's another thing to do something. Amen? And uh, sometimes our actions speak so much louder than our words. Okay? It's easy to say I love. It's another thing to prove it. So there are, very, there are four practical ways that you and I as believers are to demonstrate our love for other men. Remember that the love being commanded is love for all men, for the lost as well as for other believers. Number one, the believer is to love by hating evil. The word abhor is a very strong, strong word. It means to hate with an intense feeling, to loathe, to look upon with horror. Okay? It's more intense than when I say, I would hate for Florida to beat LSU Saturday. Okay? You know how passionate I am about our Tigers. I would not like that. I would not be a happy camper. But this word is even stronger than that. Okay? See, guys, when it comes to things like love and hate, we need to love the things God loves and hate the things God hates. Okay? Here's the deal. God doesn't hate people. He loves people. He made opportunity for every person to be saved. The Bible says, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord. Aren't you glad you are whosoever? Aren't you glad he didn't just say the folks on the, on the right side of the tracks? Aren't you glad he didn't just say the, uh, um, uh, the folks that don't live down River Road? Because you guys from down on the River Road, you'd be in bad shape, okay? Aren't you glad that he didn't just say if you had the right family or the right pedigree? Oh, whosoever. I'm glad I'm a whosoever. So, guys, you and I as believers are to, to, to hate evil. We're to hate things that God hates. We are to hate that, that we live in a fallen world. Now, I was talking to somebody today about something, and, 
And, and I was just saying that, you know, everything we experience, we, we filter through our own experience, you know. And, and there's been some experience I've had in ministry. There's been some experiences you've had in ministry that I hate to say it, but it's changed the way we view things, okay. And sometimes we view things in a way that nobody else views them, okay. And, and, and that's because of our experiences. Well, you know what, guys? Man, we need to take the mind of Christ and let that be the filter through which we filter everything. Amen? And when it comes to loving people, look, there's some nasty people out there, okay? There's some folks that will treat you poorly, okay? Look, even God's got some nasty children. I've met them before. I've, I've, I've chaired meetings that they were at, okay? I've seen that before. We've all seen that before. But you know what, guys? We need to love no matter what. Amen? Think about this for a second. Jesus had 12 disciples, right? One of them was no good, okay? But you could never tell it by the way he loved them all. Because remember when he said at the Last Supper, one of you boys is going to betray me? If he had treated Judas any different, don't you think everybody went, well, we know who it is. We know who you're talking to. But what did they do, Greg? Is it I? Is it I? Who is it? Again, he treated them with such love and gave them opportunity after opportunity. That's how we should treat others. Amen? The point is that you and I as believers must love. Show our love by hating and fighting against evil. The Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5.22, abstain from all appearance of evil. 1 Peter 3 and 11, let him askew, turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace. Psalm 34, 14, depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Secondly, believers are to love by cleaving to that which is good. We're supposed to hate evil and we're supposed to, to cleave to that which is good. The word cleave means to join together. You know, whenever I think about that, I think about Gorilla Glue. Okay? If I'm going to stick something together, look, I used to my, my, my go-to used to be crazy glue. Now it's Gorilla Glue. Okay, man, they got the gorilla on there. That stuff will work, okay? Now, don't get it on your fingers now. It'll make a mess, okay? But, um, man, just, just getting stuff to stick together, okay? That's how we're supposed to stick together or fasten together to things that are good. As believers, uh, we are supposed to desire only the best, all the good possible for people. He is to cleave to the good and to work for everyone to know and experience the good. As believers, we're to show that we truly love people by holding fast and working for the good. Galatians 6 and 10. As we therefore have opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them that are the household of faith. You know what, guys? Every opportunity you have to speak well of somebody, speak well of them. Every opportunity that you have that, that you can bless somebody and do good toward them, do good toward them. Amen? When you have opportunities to not bless somebody, keep your mouth shut. Amen? Learn a lesson from the fish. Okay? Last weekend, Hilton and Lily were doing some fishing, okay? I hear Lily caught more than Hilton, but that's just what I'm hearing, okay? And you know what? Here's the amazing thing. Every one of them fish you caught, they had to open their mouth, didn't they? If they kept their mouth shut, they wouldn't have got caught. There's a lesson to every one of us in here, okay? I told that lesson one time to a student of mine at Franklin High. Here's the kicker, brother, right? His name was Jesus. He was the worst student ever, okay? And his name was Jesus. And in my row book, it was Jesus. See, God's got a sense of humor, okay? And literally, I gave him that lesson one time. Mike, I said, you know, Jesus, that mouth of yours gets you in a lot of trouble. You learn a lesson from a fish. He wouldn't have got caught if he kept his mouth shut. He thought about that a little bit. 
You talking to me, ain't you? I said, you're a bright one, buddy. You're a bright one. Okay? But here's the deal, guys. We are supposed to cleave to that which is good. Thirdly, as believers, we are to love by loving our brothers in Christ, by being kind and affectionate toward other believers. The word affectionate means to love existing between family members. This charge is dealing with the Christian family, brothers and sisters within the church. We are to love each other by being kind and affectionate. When one of us rejoice, we all rejoice. Amen? When one of us hurts, we all hurt. We're in this thing together, guys. We're family. Now, does that mean we're always going to get along perfectly? Do you always get along perfectly with your family? No. Okay? But guess what? We love each other. Here's what I, 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 look, I don't know about your family, but here's how things go in my family. I can talk about my family, but you talk about my family, we move in furniture. Okay? Can anybody relate? I, I can talk about my family. Okay? I can, I can say, boy, man, but you add something? Wait a second, who are you talking to? Okay, you're talking about my, you know, so can you relate? Guess what, guys? That's how it should be in the church. Look, let me brag on Miss Annalee. She loves her pastor, okay? You can't talk bad about me around that lady. She'll want to fight, okay? I mean, she's beating up Bernie. Look at his head, okay? I'm just thinking, okay? But here's the deal, guys. We need to love sincerely. We need to be serious about this thing. We're in this thing together, Amen. And how many know we're better together than we ever could be apart? So, guys, as believers, we're supposed to love one another. Love one another sincerely. Here's what Jesus taught in John 13, verses 34 and 35. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. Look, guys, when you love your brothers, when we love, it speaks volumes to this community. It speaks volumes to unbelievers. Amen? Wow, sometimes the church has failed so miserably in this area. But we can't do nothing about the past, but from this day forward, we can love hard. Amen? Scripture also tells us uh, in Ephesians chapter number 4, verse 32, Paul says, And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Look, guys, we've all been hurt, and uh, forgiveness is a lot easier talked about than done. I could preach ten sermons on forgiveness before sometimes I want to act it out, okay? But here's the deal, guys. Whenever you struggle to forgive somebody, think about how much Christ forgave you of. Look, guys, that's something you don't want to see a scoreboard on because we're way behind in that area, aren't we? But in light of everything Christ has forgiven us of, some of us need to forgive. And also don't forget when it comes to forgiveness, forgiveness is not a gift you give somebody else. It's a gift you give yourself. Amen. And finally, believers are to love by giving preference to other believers. The word honor means to reverence, respect, and esteem. The word preferring means to go before, to lead, to set an example. The charge is clear. The believer is to take the lead in esteeming and expressing respect for others. Imagine a church full of believers with each taking the lead in esteeming and honoring the other. What a picture of true love and care. That's really what the church should be all about. Amen? Now, look, guys, we hear a lot said about honor. Okay? It's another core value that I'm going to be teaching on soon. A lot can be said about honor. But you know what? Prove it with your actions. Amen? You know, honor those that God has put in authority over us. Okay? Look, 
We honor the plus laws. I am honored to say that he and I are laboring together at this church. Amen? I'm honored by that. I'm honored by some of you that are sitting in this room today. I'm not just saying that. I believe that with all my heart. We're in this thing together. Amen? And look, guys, when, when, we, when we give honor, there, there's something, there's a principle called sowing and reaping. Okay? Let's sow seeds of honor. Let's sow seeds of respect. Let's sow seeds of love, grace, and mercy. Because how many know we need a harvest of that? Amen? Now, some of you are reaping in a harvest, and you're wondering where all this nonsense come from. Think about the seeds that you've sowed. Mm. Look, God, let's start sowing good seed. Amen? Let's start sowing seeds of honor and respect and love and watch the harvest of righteousness that comes. Amen? The Bible tells us in Philippians 2, 3, and 4, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Verse number 11, Now as believers we're encouraged to serve the Lord. Amen? And this charge is twofold, okay? So number one, we're supposed to love sincerely. Number two, we're supposed to serve the Lord. Do not lag in zeal. Do not be slothful in business. The word slothful means lazy, slow-moving, sluggish, lethargic. Think DMV. Think Department of Motor Vehicles, okay? Think about the latest bridge project that I hear is going to take a year to 18 months. OMG! Okay, all right, let me get back to my notes, okay? But think slow. Think lethargic, okay? I mean, wow. Don't be that way. Don't be slothful in serving the Lord. The exhortation is very clear. As believers, we're not to be lazy, slow-moving, and zeal. Not to be sluggish. Not to be hesitating. We're supposed to be zealous for the Lord. We're supposed to be eager to do something for God. Amen? We're supposed to be eager for that. We're supposed to be like, sign me up. Put me in the game, coach. Tomorrow night, you're going to watch Berwick and... and, uh, Patterson, get after it, okay? Here's the thing. Can't have but 11 on the field at one time, okay? And there's usually a group of 30 or 40 that he'll be chomping at the bit to get. Okay, it ain't that many. There's a few freshmen. They don't want to get in there, okay? They, they see them big old boys from Patterson and said, I think I'll just watch this one, okay? But there's some kids that are like, put me in, coach, okay? Look. Peyton finally got to run the ball Friday night. You know why? Because he has pestered them coaches to no end. And he's in the ear the whole time. Of coach, let me run the ball, coach. Let me run the ball. Let me run the ball. So here's what coach says. Get in there and you get one carry. 55 yards later and a touchdown later, my little smart aleck son come back to the sideline and said, all I needed was one. Jack's like his mama. Where he gets that attitude from? But here's the deal, guys. We should be eager to serve the Lord. As eager as Hayden was to want to run the ball, as eager as some of those kids are to get in the game, we need to get in the game spiritually. Amen? You need to be eager to do something for the Lord. It's time that the church wakes up. It's time that the church arises and realizes who we are. Amen? Don't be slothful in business. Don't just go through the motions. Be zealous. Hebrews 6 and 12 says this, that you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Guys, we've got some promises that need inheritance. We've got some promises spoken over this church, over this community, over your family, and we've got to inherit those promises. We've got to be zealous about it. 
Also, the Bible says, be fervent in spirit. The word fervent means to be hot, to boil, to set a flame. The believer's spirit is to be hot, boiling, flaming for Christ. Guys, that's the kind of zeal we're supposed to have for the Lord. What's happened to that? We can get it back. We just got to ask God for it. And I had an amazing conversation today with your son. God's doing some great things in Seth's life. He's so passionate for the Lord. And I love that. And I was challenged by that. We should all be challenged. Look, guys, our best days are ahead of us, not behind us. Amen? The Bible says, now faith. Not used to be faith, now faith. Today faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. Guys, do you realize that that great cloud of witnesses wish they were here on earth today? They wish they were here today because, guys, we're... (sighs) Look, if this was a football game, honey, it's the fourth quarter. (laughs) The time is running out. These are the times that the apostles wish they were here. You know, you you ever read the Bible and say, boy, I wish I was there back then. I've been kind of cool to, to maybe be there when Jesus made the fish and chips. That'd been nice, okay? But look, guys, the accommodations weren't great, <laughs> okay? I mean, there was no Jerusalem Holiday Inn, okay? It really wasn't great living back then. But guys, today are the days that, that those great patriarchs are, they are they're, 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 they're jealous, they're zealous to, to be where you are today. Now let's take advantage of that, amen? And what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to serve the Lord. The idea is that we're to be focused upon the Lord and all that we do. It is He who we serve. It is Him who has enabled us to do great things for Him. Our purpose is pleasing the Master, not pleasing ourselves. Colossians 3, 23 and 24. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord, not unto men, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Guess what, guys? That's what we're supposed to do. You're also supposed to be the best worker at work. Let me just meddle for just a second, okay? You should be the best worker at your job. The Bible says that in Ephesians chapter number 6, verses 5 and 7. I didn't know that. You should read your Bible. Servants, employees, be obedient to them that are your masters, employers, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart, as unto Christ, not with eye service as men's pleasers, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will, doing service as to the Lord, not unto men. Guys, you're not working for man, you're working for God. God has placed you where you're at. Some of you are praying, God, Get me out of this place. Guys, where do you need a light the most? In a dark place. Amen? Stop resisting what God's trying to do in your life. We're almost done. How I many know in this life you'll have some trials, you'll have some difficulties? Well, the Bible talks about that as well. Verse number 12 says that you and I as believers are to conquer trials. We're to overcome them. While on earth, believers will face problems. We will face difficulties. In fact, Jesus himself said, in this life, you would have what? Trouble. Okay? But did he stop there? No, he didn't. He said, but be encouraged, I have overcome this world. And because he overcame, you and I can as well. So as believers, we're supposed to overcome these things. Nevertheless, the believer has an overcoming resource. He can conquer the trials of life by doing three things. Number one, as believers, we are to rejoice in hope. Our hope is God, God's presence, God's concern, God's care for us. As believers, we know that God will do one of two things, either remove the trial or deliver us through the trial. 
God will either remove it or he'll deliver you through it. Amen? As believers, we know that God is for us, and we don't have to face these trials alone. No situation is hopeless. A believer is the eternal optimist. His hope is in the eternal God. Therefore, he not only hopes in the delivering power of God, he joys and rejoices in the hope God has given him. You know, this morning when we were going through those prayer requests, we probably had 60 or 70 that we went through, and and I would say 15 of them or so were cancer. And obviously that is a scourge today. It's uh, in so many ways that, that C word is almost like a death sentence. And, and, um, and it can really discourage you. It can really get you down. And, and I made the comment that when we look at all these needs and we call all these serious requests before the Lord, you can almost become overwhelmed if we had to meet all those needs. But we serve a God who's never been overwhelmed. Amen? It's never even been close. God's not... Look, guys, God is not... God's not pacing around heaven. Amen? He's seated on the throne. Okay? He's not scratching his head going, how am I going to fix that situation John's got into? How am I going to touch your sister? How am I going to work all these things out for you, Robin? No, no, no. He's God. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. And he's all-able. Amen? Able to meet you. Able to touch you. Able to do for you. Amen? And I reminded our prayers that, look, guys, there's nothing we read that is too much for God. There's nothing that's too difficult for him. We have to hope in that. Amen? We're supposed to hope, put our hope in the Lord. Look, guys, the enemy will try to steal your hope. If he can take your hope, he'll think he can get more than that from you. Don't let him do it. Amen? Don't lose your hope. Keep your hope in the one who gave his life for you. Secondly, Believers to endure trials. The word patience means to endure, remain, persevere, abide, bear up bravely. Believers actually experience a surge of fortitude from Christ when trials come. Philippians 4 and 13, the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Ephesians 3 and 20, it's on this banner. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Look, guys, God is able to empower you when you don't think you can go any further. You know, some of you are thinking, I'm at the end of myself. That's a great place for God to take over. Amen? Don't you quit. I'm at the end of my rope. Just tie a knot, honey, and hang on. Okay? We serve a God who's able to strengthen you. He does his best work when there is no hope. When he's your only hope, he's all you really need. Consider this promise out of the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 41.10. Fear not. For I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yea, I will help you. I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Amen? Look, guys, this is my right hand. This is my dominant hand, my strong hand. Think about God's right hand. Okay? Jamie, you've done some things with those hands of yours, okay? I've heard about that right hand of yours. God's right hand is even stronger. God's right hand is even more powerful. There's nothing God can't do. Amen? And then finally, we're supposed to continue in prayer. Guys, don't grow weary in well-doing. The phrase continuing instant means to give constant attention to, to be uh, devoted and attentive to, to give unceasing care to, to wait steadfastly upon, to persevere. Very simply, 
Believers overcome trials by giving constant attention to God and waiting upon His delivering power. The believer stays in constant communion with the Lord, depending upon Him to supply the strength to walk through the trials of daily living. The Bible tells us in Matthew 7 and 7, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it will be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, receiveth. He that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Guys, do you just ask once? Do you just knock once? Do you just seek once? No. You keep asking. You keep knocking. Okay? You ever had an annoying teenager at your door? You're trying to ignore them? Just... That look says it all. So sooner or later, it's like, stop it. Okay? Well, guess what, guys? Keep asking. Keep petitioning the throne. Keep going to God. He will answer. Amen? And then we finally close with verse number 13. As believers, we are to meet the needs of people in an unselfish way. Two very simple demands are made to believers. Number one, the believer is to give generously to the church and tithes and offerings and to share with those that are in need. We are to distribute, that is to give and share in order to meet other people's needs. Look, guys, love and giving has always been connected. Okay? John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he did what? He gave. Okay? God's a giver, not a taker. Amen? You'll never hear me say we're taking an offering. We don't do that. We receive an offering. We give you an opportunity to give. But God's not a taker. God's a giver. God loves so much that he gave to us. Look, you can love without, I mean, you can give without loving. Anybody paid their taxes recently? Okay? Look, uh, my, my wife's business is doing really, really well, but 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 Greg, they, my CPA tells me i got to do some stuff like prepay my taxes. I don't like that, okay? I've got some money in savings right now that I would love to go on a cruise with. I would love to buy a new toy. Mike, I would love to do some cool stuff with it. But guess what? I'm going to give it to my greedy uncle, okay? I'm going to pay my taxes. Now, I'm going to be happy about it? Nope. Okay. But, but I don't want to start my prison ministry today, so I'm going to give it, okay? But I'm going to give it grudgingly. I'm not going to like it. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to love doing it. But here's the deal. You can't love without giving. You can't do it. If we say we love God, we're going to give to God. If we say we, say we love our children, we're going to give to them. What you love, you give, okay? I love LSU. I give them a little offering once a year, and they send me some season tickets in return. Okay? I mean, look, if you say you love something, Jamie, you love that, that, them, them, them kids of yours? You give them stuff, don't you? You buy them stuff, okay? You love that pretty girl next to you? You give her stuff. You buy. Look, whatever we love, we give to. It's always been connected. Love and giving. They, they're, they're, they're kissing cousins. They're stuck together. But look, guys, we're supposed to give to the Lord. We're supposed to give to those in need. Secondly, the believer is to be given to hospitality. He is to open the door of his home, but more importantly, the door of his heart to others who are in need. The Bible says this, bishops or leaders or ministers must be given to hospitality. First Timothy 3 and 2, a bishop must then be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant. Vigilant, yeah, that word. Sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach. 
for uh, Titus 1 and 8, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate. That's for, for Christian leaders, but it's also for us as believers. We're, we're supposed to open our door, even to strangers in need. Remember Hebrews 13 and 12. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Guys, remember, nothing you do for God is insignificant. Nothing. Nothing you do for God. God, God is the greatest accountant ever. He takes perfect notes. He does not miss a thing. Okay? He does not miss one small thing you've done for the Lord. Sister Garland, think about all the things that you've done for the Lord down through the years. All the sacrifices you've made. All the small things. All the things Don didn't even know about. But God took perfect note. And honey, one day you're going to hear, well done. Amen? But guys, it's not just for her. It's for all of us. Amen? So let's love. Let's love sincerely. Let's love hard. Let's do all these things as we have opportunity and be a blessing to the kingdom of God. Basically, friends, I close with this reminder. We're to treat one another with love like the family of God that we are called to be. Look, guys, we're in this thing together. We're family. We are a family. We're supposed to love God. We're supposed to love others. We're supposed to treat people in the way that would be pleasing to God. I challenge you. Let's double down on that. Amen? Let's take it another step. Let's do all that God commands and then some. Amen? Allow the Holy Spirit to be your God. Whatever He tells you to do, John, do. Amen? Whatever He tells you not to do, don't do. Okay? But let's love hard and let's be the family of God that will spread the good news of this gospel, not only around this community, but around the world. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for this congregation. I thank you for men and women that love you. And Lord, I just pray today, Lord God, that you would help us to love one another sincerely. Help us, Lord God, not to just say we love, but to show that we love. Help us, Lord God, when one rejoices, we all rejoice. When one's sad and sorrow, we all in that condition, because we're in this thing together. Lord, I pray today, Lord God, that you would knit our hearts together. God, what you're doing in the Spirit, I think, is a significant thing, Lord. And I pray today that you would help us to follow the commands of of Paul to the Romans, Lord God, so that we would treat one another in a way that would bring glory and honor to you, and also in a way that would speak volumes to this community. Lord, I pray today, Lord, that you would touch each and every one of us here today. God, some of us, we may have been a little convicted tonight. Maybe we haven't loved sincerely. Maybe we've had some mistakes, Lord. Well, I thank you that your word says if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us.